the Mercedes. <laughs> hey, Mercedes. Yeah. So you didn't say anything about my glasses. And then that just makes me think that you hate them. Oh my gosh. We hadn't gotten there yet. Okay. 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 Glasses, Heather's glasses. Are we starting were, now? Cause I'm ready. We're starting now. It's a big change for me. You guys, I've Heather. never had glasses and now I do. And I went bold. I didn't just do a little. <laughs> Wait, are they subscription? Prescription. Oh, yes. pers- prescription. <laughs> it's a similar word. <laughs> they are prescription glasses. These aren't just for fun. How about this, it. you guys? Enough of that. Okay. We're moving on because, and it's time to shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Everyone, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. Welcome to the podcast listeners. Today, we are going to, well, first of all, we'll continue the conversation about my glasses later, but for now, we're going to have our friend Ashley Dirks on, who has already chimed in here, but <laughs> I don't blame her, who is a fellow lucky mama. Um, we're super excited to get her on the podcast today. She's my friend and we're going to get to hear her perspective and Mercedes and have a conversation on here, a very candid one about raising a child with Down syndrome as a black woman, how it feels to show up in a predominantly I'm using air quotes, white advocacy space. So let's do it. <laughs> I love it so much. I know you do. Mercedes, <laughs> that's something I love about Merce. She's like, so I've known Mercedes for most of our lives. It feels like <laughs> really a long time. So huh? wee baby. <laughs> Wait, when, how long have you been married? Uh, we're going to be 12 years in June. Okay. But before and then, you, then I feel like I've known you for 15 years. You've known me for 15 years. That's a long I've time. Known, you, oh yeah. I feel yeah. like that's a long time. No, I love it. No, you it's feel, good. I've t- talked about this before. Mercedes feels like a sister, which is my it's favorite. Um, <laughs> I always try to get in on that. Heather, Harmony, and Hannah, Sister Weekend, being Mercedes. (laughs) I feel like my name alone has dropped me from- You can't do it. I can't do it. I love it. You have to show up. Um, (laughs) But one thing I love about Mercedes is she is always down for a good conversation that- I'm not conflicting. What's the word? I'm um, a good, just maybe like a little bit cringy. You're like, like, con- ooh, like a ooh, controversy. How do you feel? A controversy. <laughs> yeah. Like, There's a controversy. Okay. Let's talk about it. But, that, but you do it so gently that it's like welcoming, you know, it's not, you know, certain people where things are controversial and they go to talk about it and you're like, Oh, please. I can't, I feel, it's too much. I feel them boiling already. <laughs> totally. And Mercedes just giggling. <laughs> You're the best. Okay. You're the best, Merce. So we are going to have that conversation. Yeah. Your glasses are the best (laughs) because I just found it. I just thought they were blue light blocking. No, these are so I can read. These are your prescription every day. Every day. Out there in the world, glasses. Well, reading in computers. So I'm not like walking around the grocery store wearing glasses yet. Okay. But you know what those glasses go perfectly. They are heart shaped black rim glasses, everyone. 
I just picture always leopard and red. So I just want you to know that. Okay. Leopard and red in other areas, cardigan, maybe a flair of leopard and red. Okay. I'll, I'll work on that, (laughs) (laughs) but this is, has nothing to do with anything. And now we're going on too long, but I cheated on my last vision test and have I told you this story? God bless me. When August, when we were doing our home study for August coming home. So August is eight. This was over eight years ago. We had to do a physical and I did my physical, which I have my funniest doctor stories of all time are from this physical. And I, then I go to do my eye test and I've always had perfect vision. And like, they're like, close this eye and through my right eye, I can do all the letters. So yeah. Like, okay, now cover this eye and through my left eye, it was super blurry. And I thought, oh, it's just because my eye was closed. And then the doctor got distracted and I opened both eyes, memorized the letters and then passed it. You crazy lady. Who does that? (laughs) For what? For what? All I did was cheat myself. So anyways, and that was eight years ago and I knew it and I'm on my computer constantly and I'm a reader and all the things. Isn't that funny? But it is a sensitive thing. And you don't even, why is that? Because I felt like Sunflower, she went in and it was like for a second, they're like, oh, I think she might need glasses. You guys, I cried as if they would have given her like a second diagnosis. I cried. I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Like, I was like, things are so hard. Like now I'm going to have to get her to like wear glasses. She's only going to get worse. She has to start glasses this young. You know, there was another, I'm like, what is that? And then when I did glass, like my physical, when I was younger, my mom would tell me what the letters were. Oh, so she would mouth them to me because I think she felt sad for me too. Like, oh, does she even know her letters? Like it was so silly. This is so good. But I wonder if this is a thing. Well, I was going to say listeners, can you go on social, go onto Instagram to the lucky few pod and let us know about your, how you feel about glasses. Have you ever cheated on your eye exam? So you could pass it, which is failing. It's not passing. It's failing. Or did you feel anyway. sensitive about it that you felt like you should cheat or like help right. your kid? Like you couldn't watch them fail. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a therapist, let's talk, let's dissect this. <laughs> Our broken system. You guys, this is a different layer. <laughs> oh shoot. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's get to it. Ashley. She's been here this whole time. You guys didn't know laughing with us, but I just want to introduce Ashley Dirk. So she and I met last October in Austin, Texas at a retreat that my friend Liz Plakta from Ruby's rainbow and I host called lucky mama's retreat. And Ashley and I had some good conversations around the bar. (laughs) No, we had some good conversations that brought up just the she can share her experience and I can share that she was the only black woman at this event. There were 26 of us, 24, 25, 26, something like that. And she was only black woman there that weekend. And we had some good conversations around that. And this is also a topic we talked about with Mercedes. We talked about on the podcast here a bit, just this idea that we know that down syndrome is not specific to any ethnicity or race. And somehow in the, I'm using air quotes a lot. So you guys in these like popular spaces of advocacy, you see a lot of white moms, a lot of white families, a lot of white people with down syndrome. And why is that? 
it's an unfair representation of Down syndrome. I think there's a lot of reasons for why it is, but we're going to kind of dive into that conversation a little bit today. Before we get there, Ashley, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. Thank you. So happy you're here. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, a little more about your family? Um, okay, my name is Ashley Darks, and I have Zaire Darks, who's four. He'll be five on Thursday. Oof. Oh, baby. Yeah. I can't even believe it. But we're from Texas. I moved from Kansas, actually, about eight years ago. I have a 16-year-old daughter, 15-year-old son, and an 11-year-old son. And then a husband, Chris. I work in the NICU with the babies. So I see a lot of a lot of Down syndrome here recently, actually. So they know they call me whenever we get a baby with Down syndrome. I'm like, hey, we got a baby. I'm like, oh, okay, I already know. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's me and my family. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us here on the podcast. Do you want to share about come to lucky mamas and like how you got there to oh. begin with yeah actually i didn't even know about the retreat i went to another conference previously and apparently me and a friend signed up to be in a drawing to win this but completely forgot about it and they sent me an email saying hey you you know you won you know you won the the retreat i'm like oh, okay cool you know i don't even know what it is but yeah i'm going so it was canceled. Was it the last year it was canceled? In 2020, it was canceled. Yeah. 20, it was canceled. So then it was rescheduled. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's cool. I've never been. I wonder what it is. So I go and I'm like, whoa, wait. I'm, you know, thinking, are there going to be other Black women? I don't know why that was the first thing I thought, but just because you see all, the women you're like oh you know it's just gonna be me so I actually thought about leaving because I'm like this is I'm not supposed to be here like this is not this isn't for me like what what am I doing here so I contemplated leaving but I'm glad I stayed because made a lot of good connections and a lot of good conversations with with some of the moms there it just made me think of where's everybody else at or mm-hmm. I didn't even know about it so maybe they just didn't know about it and I know a lot of my friends say that and so it was just getting the information out there as far as there's more than just this one specific organization I guess maybe I don't know but there's more out there than just what you see. I mean, you might have to do a little more research, but I was glad that I got to go. And then having the conversation with Heather about how I felt being the only black person there. I won't say it was intimidating, but it was kind of like, like I said, do, y- do I really fit in here? Like, is this something that I'm really supposed to be? Like, you know, did I, did they know I was going to be the only black person or was it just like, oh, you know, we have to have one Mm. and um I never thought about being the token black girl because do you I don't know if that's something that you guys look at as far as do you look at the race of like I don't even know if that was a question Mm. of you know on the registration I don't even know if that was a question but 
how would they have known that you mm. know how do you sure. know oh well she's black or she's black or she's black or you know i don't i don't think that that's something that that is thought about because i don't i mean why would you think about that right mm. so like the side conversations that i had and being able to open up and tell people about that experience as far as being the only one I think they learned they were willing to learn more about me and the different struggles of being a black woman with a son with down syndrome um because I hadn't I didn't know like I didn't really know about down syndrome a whole lot I mean I've seen it but not as a person of color because mm-hmm. it's not it's not seen or people don't really put it out there that their kid has down syndrome back when I first um, got the diagnosis which it was a birth diagnosis so that was a surprise as well we just had to dig a little bit more to find us but when we Heather and I had the conversation I might be forgetting some but I was glad she pulled me aside and then we actually talked about it because a lot of people won't I don't know if they feel like I don't know. I honestly don't know what the reason is. I don't know. Just when we talked, I think I'm kind of going all over the place, but (laughs) (laughs) when we had the side conversation and you pulled me to the side and asked me how I felt, that was like game changer Hmm. because a lot of people don't, a lot of white women, they don't ask the questions, you know, that let me know there that I was, I was supposed to be there. I had a reason whether I saw it or not at the beginning, I did because I had a lot to bring to the table. I mm. You had said that initially you thought about going home. And if you could explain to some of our listeners who maybe haven't had that experience before of walking into your room and being the only person of a certain race in that space, like your thoughts on why you would want to go home. And maybe that's an obvious question, but like kind of your thoughts about, okay, I'm out of here. I'm leaving and why? I think the reason why initially I thought that was because I was like, well, am I supposed to be here? Is this mm. supposed to be a space for me? Or is it is it is it just a space for white women? Okay. And why I thought that I probably shouldn't have, but it was just my first instinct of being the only person of color. Like it was just kind of like I don't want to say culture shock because, you know, there's white people like everywhere, but just in that small of a space, like, where are the other people like me? Mm. Like, you know, where are they? Did they not know? Like, I didn't know because I had a lot of comments saying, what was that? Or I never heard of that. Yeah. Oh, you know, honestly, I wanted and just completely forgot about it. So it was like, oh, okay. So I don't think if I had wanted, I would have known about it. Totally. Yeah. And I can speak to this, this retreat specifically, because it's the only like event kind of a thing that I am a part of and no one knows about it because we don't advertise it. (laughs) And that's a problem because it's word of mouth. And when it's in the beginning, so I feel like I, as a white woman have raised by a white family in a predominantly white space, have mostly relationships with white people naturally, you know, like that's my natural lean. And in the down syndrome space, that's been the case as well for me. And so when it, when it's word and my co 
leader for the retreat, Liz is in a similar situation. So when it's word of mouth, it's our friends, you know, or like people that we're close to in the down syndrome space who are hearing about it, who are telling their friends. And that's kind of the trickle. So there, there has been, because it's a side project for us, there's been a lack of intentionality and a lack of anything besides word of mouth. And for that, I feel, I apologize to all our communities of color in the down syndrome space. And it has been a burden on my heart from the very beginning, from the first year and knowing what to do about that. And it's a, it's a conversation my husband and I have all the time. We talk about it on, with Mercedes and I have other friends in the space. We talk about it, this like burden of knowing the importance of diversity in the space. We live in a culture that where white normativity is still a thing, right? Where it is like the normal thing is whiteness. And we're st- I still believe that that is very prevalent in the United States and our society. And we're having that conversation more and more, but that the Down syndrome community isn't immune to that. Does that make sense? Like that's happening also in the Down syndrome space. And we are saying like waving this banner of inclusion and it's like everyone belongs in all of this and continuing to ignore and not ask the hard questions of why it is this way. And then take those extra steps as a white person in the space to make some kind of a change with Liz from the beginning about diversifying the space. And it's been something I've tried to do in all the spaces I'm in diversifying it racially and I can do and should do better. So I, it's just a, it's heavy and it's a burden and I don't have the answers, but I think we need to be asking more questions and, and I think that it's, and I, I love both your opinions on this. I think it's important in those spaces for the white people in those spaces to to be able to recognize that this isn't okay and to say it, you know, like to be like, this isn't okay that everybody here is white or that the majority of the people here are white when we know that Down syndrome doesn't specify by race. I definitely agree. I have, I feel like, okay, since I know you and Liz and I've been in position before with the nonprofit I helped to found, but I'm no longer with where we were planning this event. We were going to get the speakers, you know, and the same kind of thing, our connections for starting off something, our connections. Cause you know, speakers are kind of expensive. We didn't know how, how is this all going to go? Our connections lended to mostly all white speakers who were going to give up their time freely. And they were also very well known, you know, and so the audience would want to hear from them. It was all these things. So it was almost like it was an easy go-to without a second guess or a second thought about, yeah, but could every mama in that audience besides down syndrome, because that's only one layer be relate, like relate to these speakers. Like if we're a conference for moms to come to, can every mom actually feel welcome here aside from the layer of down syndrome? And we didn't think like that. I think even, even me being a person of color, who's always usually, I shouldn't say always 90, not 98% of the time, the only person of color in the room, it's even become my norm to Mm. just like, 
not make it an issue. Cause if I made it an issue, I don't know if I'd be able to be in that room all the time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it would just be annoying to people or close the door or make other people feel like they needed to be tiptoeing around it. Right. So I feel like it's normal for me to just feel normal in an all white predominant space, mm-hmm. just where I grew up and the things I've been a part of. So even for me in the past few years, and especially when I was in that leader position, I was like, you're right. This is kind of strange. And also my daughter with down syndrome is blonde. She's white. So I, I just wasn't aware. And then when I became a leader in the space, I wanted to do more and it's exhausting to do. Mm. So Heather, I feel like when you say your birth, like, you know, you know about this, I just think it's hard to do all on your own mm. or to constantly be that person to bring it up, you know, mm. cause then you get the eye rolls. They're like, okay, but it's not about that. Don't make it about that. You know, it's about down syndrome, you know, like, I feel like there's that odd kind of, what is that phrase? I just learned toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little yeah. bit of a toxic positive you got it. Let's it's for down syndrome for our kids, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but that's not world change. That's actually not inclusion. That's not, um, it's a part of it. It is, but it's only a small part. So we've just like chipped the surface. Right. And now we're a part of the community. And then we get to say, Hey, like I just met this awesome mom named Ashley. And she told me about her experience being a black woman, raising a child with down syndrome. Okay. That's another layer of the big piece to actual inclusion. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like How do we get there and how do we care? Well, first, I feel like moms are still wrestling and still getting moms who are white, I should say. And I, and please correct me if I'm wrong. This is going to be the first Mm -hmm. for many time they are doing life now with the person in the margins. This Mm -hmm. is now, so now they're experiencing oppression And it's shocking. And it's now there's their child. So now that's their bubble. They can't see past their nose in that. Right. So then we say, okay, now welcome to the club. You're in the club now, (laughs) the club, the club of the people that are oppressed. Okay. Now get ready because it's actually quite bigger and the, Mm -hmm. and the, and the group is wider. And so And I feel like I want to also add into that, how we've talked about, especially with Micah, how then you have a child who has Down syndrome and autism, autism, right? you know, so then, and then those mamas aren't feeling left out because they're like, oh, it doesn't look like this Down syndrome, this type of Down syndrome. Right. And then, so I feel like that's the we don't even mean to, but that's the injustice we're doing. Because if we just only look at our one child and their one diagnosis and be like, I've got to change the world just for you. That's not changing the world. That is just making, I don't know. I I don't know what it is, but it's not changing the world. And it's making our it can make our community that we brag about because it's so rad and awesome exclusive to our members that we're actually claiming to be in community with yeah
And I see it happen and I know we don't. (laughs) Yeah. But Mercedes, you said a little bit ago, you said people are in, are like, but we're, but it's for our kids, you know, like we're doing it for our kids. We're doing it for our kids. And that our kids, when white women are saying it, we're talking about the white kids because what's happening is like Ashley shared with me. And I think you shared here a little bit. She has a son with Down syndrome who's black. And all you're seeing, like all the, in these advocacy spaces is a bunch of white kids. It's like, well, wait a second where are all the black kids with Down syndrome that are being advocated for? You know, like the idea of representation matters. So when people are saying, but we're doing all this work, but what about the kids? Let's focus on our kids, our kids. Who are our kids? You know, like with quotes, because if we're talking about kids with Down syndrome, it has to be all of the kids. And then we have to go that next step of trying to understand, wait a second, where are all of the kids? Like where, where is everybody? And it's not for a lack of existence and it's not for a lack of people trying you know, like people of color, um, there, we have a mutual friend who's not black, but is a different ethnicity is not white. And she has talked a lot about like, we're not here because we are not welcome here, you know, like as a mom of color, raising a child with down syndrome and not being white, we're not welcome here. And as someone, as an advocate in the space who I have a platform, I have books, I get invited to come. I mean, I get to do all the things, you know, that is the sting of that is so deep because there's truth to it. Otherwise it wouldn't sting for me. You know, it'd be like, well, of course you are. Of course you're, of course you are. No, there's some truth to that because all of our community is built upon the foundation of, I mean, racism exists, you know, like it's not, we're not immune to those things in our community. So then it gets real heavy and deep because you got to go to those places, you know? Yeah. And for some reason, it's sometimes who, you know, right. So like, so who, you know, also gets you to those spaces. And so that's the cycle, right. And that's what keeps it exclusive Mm -hmm. and breaking that. And then, but there's been some big things, like, even if you, the algorithm, I mean, Instagram. Um, so whoever's popular, I mean, those are going to be, who's also speaking, right. Those are going to be the people who get the opportunity. So then that also continues that cycle. And I mean, I don't know, you can speak into this too, Ashley, but we've talked about this even with, um, Jalandra Davis is Mm -hmm. okay. So if we're only going to even talk about social media, um, because social media has such a strong hold on our community and on the world and how it works. If you're a working mom that's working all day, can you be on your phone making the reels, keeping up with the photo shoots, keeping up with what gets you likes and comments and followers? No. And if you are a person of color, if you are a black person, I don't know. You might be working, you know, you might have two people in your home working. And so that representation isn't even a privilege that you get to have an option that you get to have. Would you, what do you think, Ashley? (laughs) That in itself is like, it's kind of exhausting. 
like when I just recently did the takeover on the lucky few, that was probably the biggest platform that I've ever had to talk to. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's got this many followers and this many people and so many people are watching the story. And so I'm like, Oh, and then you go to Zaire's. I mean, we have gained a few followers from that, from that takeover. And yeah, that's great. But am I going to be able to keep up with that? Am I going to be able to right. post it today? Am I going to be able to make that real? Or so it's like, is, is what I'm really doing, does that really matter? I mean, you know, people are going to, you know, they comment, they like, but are they just doing it just because? Right. Oh, okay. It's Black History Month. And oh, she's getting that, she's getting that exposure. But then what happens in March, April, mm-hmm. May, June, July, you know? people I mean it's just like one of those things oh it's Black History Month oh yeah let's follow her because of that and then is it going to fall off like oh it's it's not a big deal it was just it was just that that moment where we wanted to see what she was talking about yeah so I get it like that yeah I mean I I, I'm on social media but it's like social media is a whole nother ball game and if you don't have the followers and if you don't interact as much then it's like you know, it, you're just another Instagram account or you're just, you're just there. So I, I agree. Yeah. And a lot of it is cost too. You have to pay for ads to even be seen. It's just a lot. And it's not, it's not a fair and inclusive platform for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like we could just dissect social media and, and yeah. that could take hours and hours and at the end we'd all <laughs> be done. (laughs) Um, I think though, Ashley, to a little, a point to what you're saying, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier too, you talked about tokenism. Like, Mm. are you, were Mm. you the black woman at the, the token black person at this retreat? Right. Like how would we have known? Cause there's not a question and all that. And I think that I have found personally, and I'm constantly working this out in myself, this idea of like tokenism versus intentionality. Mm-hmm. And I think Mercedes, what you were talking about with this nonprofit that you had founded and were a part of, and I was on the board for that. And part of our conversations, there's, there's this, like, if you, if you're like, we just got to get someone black on the stage, who can we hire? Who's black? Let's get a black person. We need that black person. We need to check off that box versus we understand that if we want if we want to diversify the audience, we have to diversify the stage Mm -hmm. and there has to be an intentionality there, you know? And I, and what I've come down to, and again, this is always in process for me as a learner is that intentionality is like, it's a heart check thing. Like it's a check of, Hey, I recognize that a lot of the spaces I'm in are predominantly white and I'm going to do something about that because I want the space diversified, not because I want to check off a box for one thing, not because I want black history month check, you know, not like, Oh, I'm going to follow this, this new black account because it's black history month. I'm going to check that box off, but I'm going to follow because there's now a new perspective, a new way of looking at life, something I can learn. Cause at the end of the day, one of my big advocacy flags is inclusion. So mm-hmm. what like to be true about that. So I think that that's a big, if you have some kind of influence whether you're like, whether you have a nonprofit or an organization or you're running conferences or whatever it is that are in the downstream community, there's got to be intentionality to racially diversify the space mm-hmm. and it's work. If you, if you don't have those relationships already, it's work, but then, then it opens up more doors for relationship, you know, mm-hmm. like 
then I get to meet Ashley and then she gets introduced me to her friends and then they get introduced me to their friends. And then there's more opportunity for more diversity in our space, Mm -hmm. which is important. So important. An invitation that it's not so much you were like when we make space to make sure that a person of color is there that, yeah, it's a heart check that it's not to tokenism them, right. but invite. Cause I don't know that they knew they could show up otherwise, mm. too. you know, like I've had those moments, especially when I was a part of that nonprofit where I had to seek out those account, like accounts specifically who were diverse just so, and to invite, and maybe because I am a person of color, it feels different and maybe it's received differently, but it was like my honor and joy. And it was usually like, yes, I'll come. And it, it had, it was always an invitation though. It needed to be an invitation. And I don't know what other, I don't know what that means on the other side. Right. Ashley, like, Mm -hmm. how do we get our, community, our black families community to also on the other side, feel comfortable to step out and to be like, Hey, I'm going to show up knowing that I'm probably going to be the only person of color there, but I want to change that. I want to be a speaker that the DSDN calls on. I want to be a speaker that some other organization calls on, you know, like, cause I do find it when I was in that position, I did find it hard to find moms who were like, Hey, I would like to speak on a stage. Right. Like it was, it was kind of hard and the list was short and I don't know what to do about that on the other side mm-hmm. as well. Well, I, it's kind of not funny, but crazy that you say that. Cause I had a mom back when I first brought Zaire home on social media, just totally random she um sent me a message and asked how do you do it and I'm like what do you mean how do you show your son like how do you post pictures of him how do you advocate for him and he has down syndrome and I was like what like I was so appalled like it was another mom of color like she was a black lady and I didn't even know how to respond like how do you respond to that like what like what do you mean so but she was like, well, I have a son with Down syndrome, but I, I wouldn't dare show him. I'm like, it's your kid. Like, what do you mean? And she was like, he's just so different. And I'm like, everybody's different, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that he's less than, or that doesn't mean that he's not worthy to be shown to the world. So that to me was like mind blowing. Like I, mm-hmm. I was like, what? Like, yeah, that was the craziest thing I've ever. I mean, I guess it's not crazy to her because she she felt that kind of way and she didn't really see representation, right? So it was just one of those things that she felt bad about and something that she felt that she had control over and something that she did wrong. And so we talked and I mean, every now and then she'll post him, but not really. So I guess it's just everybody, I don't know. Everybody has their thoughts of it and- that was just really mind blowing to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. wild. What, what do you want to see happen or change or what, what do you think needs to happen or change? Like t- with 
within the Down syndrome community for there to be more racial diversity and not like what do black people need to do or people of color need to do, but like, what do I need to do? Like, what do white people need to know? What do we need to be doing? What do we need to be aware of um, in your, in your opinion? Like when I first started the journey or first when Jair had Down syndrome, um, I started social media. It's always the first go-to. Why? Because it's, you know, real people sometimes. Um, and you get to see firsthand and the lucky few had came up and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, so, you know, I have started following and then eventually it's like, bang girl, oh my gosh, you know, it's Heather. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, okay, she, she has two kids with Down syndrome and she also has a black daughter. So I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of diverse. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, so that to me, that was like, oh, okay, she's got a follower. But I didn't really, I think just people being able to, just being willing to listen, mm. being able to learn and not, I mean, it's kind of hard because you want people to just be be willing to being open, open to talking to you, learning from you, um, knowing that all of your hardships are not less than because I'm black. Mm. Right? We all go through something. So I mean, what we go through might be different, but just the willingness to learn for me, that that would be probably the main thing in inclusion. Like you can include us, like we we're human. Um, we just might be black, but that doesn't mean anything. But I think that this uh, your willingness to have people of color on your podcast or um, take over your Instagram or things like that, just simple things would be a start for everyone to not just because it's Black History Month or just because the willingness to learn and be open mm -hmm. and include us. But we also have to be willing to show up. Sure. In the community because you can have so many events and so many things going on and we just don't show up. Mm -hmm. So how do you expect somebody to want to include you if you don't want to show up in simple things like that? So I think we have to be willing to open up in, in that space and not just sit back and expect people to come to us, but to be open mm -hmm. and be willing to make those conversations or yeah I Thanks, feel Ashley. like Ashley in you saying that I I felt that like I just feel like sometimes just like I'm going to do a relatability just because I feel like most of our listeners are parents who travel with Down syndrome I feel like our our children are called to always be above reproach and always show up mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's hard. It feels like that too, when you are a person of color, you are black. And so, and that's intimidating and that's hard and it is tiring. So I, I get that, Ashley, I get why our community doesn't show up. And then I also still want to encourage them too. 
you know, it's exhausting, but keep, keep showing up. Like we always say, Heather, right? Like, that's right. Just keep showing up, keep showing up. Yeah. I, I feel that that white mamas, I'm going to specifically speak to white moms, the downstream space. There needs to be more of an effort to effort of listening and learning. Um, of us being intentional and seeking out voices of other families raising kids with Down syndrome who are different, a different race and ethnicity than we are. And, and going in as a learner and being, and pursuing learning. And I guess what I mean by that is like, I, I feel like in the advocacy space, a lot of people will reach out to me who have no, like an in inclusion space, who have no experience with inclusion and they're like, how I want my kid to have a friend with Down syndrome. What do I do? And at this point in the journey, I'm like, seriously, like buy the books I wrote and read them. Like I've, I have, I've said it so many times, go to my stories, go online and Google, like do some work, do some work. And so I feel like that a little bit with white families, like, well, how do we, how can we diversify? Or I am in a leadership space and I want, I do want more diversity, but what can I do? What can I do? Figure it out. Like make a little, put some more effort into it because that analogy that you gave Mercedes of like, we realize with our kids with disabilities showing up over and over and over again is exhausting. And then you add the layer of showing up as the only black person with a bunch of white people who are just like, and then they're going to ask you all the questions and you're the teacher and all that. And I get that there's some responsibility there, but also no, it's also my responsibility to open a book or read an article or you know, like listen to a podcast or find what already exists and make the burden a little, little lighter for the Ashley's and Mercedes showing up <laughs> in the space, you know, <laughs> I think that, I think that we're doing a little bit. I think that we have a long way to go. I was about to say, I think we're doing a little better and I don't. And then when I say we, I mean like the popular down syndrome spaces. And maybe it's just me. <laughs> I think that like that needs to do better. We just need to do better. We need to be more intentional. We need to be more thoughtful. We need to be disturbed if we show up to an event and there's 25 white women and one black woman, you know, like that needs to be a problem for us. We, if we're going to show up to a conference and there's 17 people on the stage and one is black, we need to be upset about that. Like we need to say, this isn't right. This isn't good. This is not inclusive. Ashley and Mercedes are going to show up to this space and be like, wait, I don't know if I belong here. And then we're gonna be like, oh, of course you belong here. Everyone belongs here, but then show us, right? Like show us. So show them, <laughs> show all of us. I think like when you say that, when you say show us or, um, and it's more so of, okay, I'm going to invite you because you're you or because yeah, you have a child with Down syndrome, but it's more about being intentional about it and not just say, oh yeah, we do have a black person here. Oh yeah, this is inclusion. Right. Are you being intentional about it or is it just to say, oh yeah, we had a black person there. It's being more intentional with it than just that. Right. Or, you know, anyways. Yeah, there's opportunity for relationship, not just checking off boxes. We're not trying to check off boxes here, right? We're trying to be in relationship with others so that we can have a fuller understanding of our connected humanity. Oh, it gets me. I feel like it's not a quick fix. And um, 
So it has to be intentional until it feels right. Like I've, I've had friends who are like, Oh, I don't want to reach out to that person. Are they going to feel like I'm like doing it just because they're black, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like that's a hurdle and it may be that because it is that fine line of like, I'm reaching out to you because you are black because I want you here. And I'm trying to diversify this space, Sure, you know, so it's intentional. It's intentional until it's woven in as the natural, right? So like, I'm going to use the DSDN just as an example, just because they have the black, I feel like they're starting the work, right. Mm -hmm. And they've done a good job. I feel like they've, they're doing the steps for that. And maybe at first it felt awkward, but you know what they did? They brought in Kelly. They made a person who was a black woman in charge of this conversation too. So they are now choosing leadership, you know, appropriately. So I feel like there are steps that might feel awkward, but they're needed because this is changing the world. And anytime you change the world, it's going to feel awkward because there's going to be, there's a change needed. Yeah. It's awkward and it's hard, but like you said, um, that your heart behind it is good and that will ultimately show. That's good. That's good. Merce. Thanks for that. I love it. Ashley, anything else that you want to talk about or that we haven't touched on? I guess I'm just, I'm glad that I had that opportunity to go to that retreat and then have those side conversations uh, that are somewhat, I guess, hard for people to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was just good to have somebody listen. Um, That's usually really what it is, is having somebody to truly listen, Mm -hmm. listen, you know, to what, what you have to say. And just glad that I've gotten these past opportunities to do the podcast and things like this. So, so people can listen and learn. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for your willingness to be a part of all the things and to be in relationship with me and have a friendship with you. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you to come on here and have this conversation. I think it's, I, yeah, I, like Mercedes said, it's awkward it's like a, anytime there's growth, it's painful. And that's what we need to do is put, like, hold that we talk about holding the tension all the time, um, holding that tension and holding that pain instead of shying away from it. So I just hope more conversations like this can happen. And I'm so thankful for, um, your willingness to come on here and chat with us today. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, can you let our listeners know where they can learn more about you? Like on your social handles or anything else? Oh yeah. So on Instagram, Zaire's Instagram, it's kind of long, but it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's the one and only baby Z. Yeah. The one and only baby Z with underscore. So the underscore one underscore and underscore only underscore B-A-B-Y-Z. The one and only babies. And we'll have a link to that in the podcast. And I love, I loved your takeover. Thank you so much for doing that on social on the lucky few official year. And I love your husband came in and he's like, can we, can I just drop some history here on blackness and down syndrome? And it was so, so helpful. So really appreciated that taking that time. It's, it's time and energy and effort and soul suck (laughs) (laughs) and also some goodness, but it's all it's all there. So really appreciate that. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. Yes. Okay. We're going to do some good news real quick before I sign out. And do you, do you have some good news to share about baby? Baby Z? Yeah. Well, Zaire, he, well, he's turning five this Thursday, which I can't believe how the time went by so fast, but he started signing the ABCs by himself. (gasps) Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That is such good news. Which I didn't even know he knew. So (laughs) he started signing. I'm like, how do you know that? So that's awesome. Yeah. That was, that was, that was the highlight of the week. That's so fun. I have some good news and I have good news from a listener. So we, my good personal good news, we just were in Hawaii, which is good news in and of itself, but one, so August is not super pumped on swimming in the ocean and we're so spoiled. He's been to Hawaii like four times and he's eight years old, but he, this was the first time that he like, he didn't go all the way, all the way in, but he figured out how to swim in the waves and manage them. And wasn't just like terrified on the sand the whole time, not terrified, but not wanting to get in the water at all. So that's my good news. Good job, August Riker playing in the, in the ocean. And then we have some good news from a listener. This is from KAC Walker, who says we started potty training our three and a half year old the day after Christmas, which wasn't ideal, but we knew we'd be home for several days. I've been so anxious about starting this process, but it's going so well taking it slow to ensure success. And we feel equipped thanks to the lucky few potty training podcast and potty time for kids with down syndrome. Thank you for all you do. This podcast has encouraged and informed and guided me on our journey with Jane, Jane, good job. Three and a half. That's when I started potty training Mason and I still don't want to talk about it. (laughs) That was 10 years ago. So I'm like, I feel a visceral reaction to this, but I'm cheering you on because so far it's been good and it will be good. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Friends, if you're a listener and you have good news, we'd love to hear your good news. You can head over to the lucky few pod on Instagram and leave us a message. You can write it in the comments on any of the posts. You can shoot us a DM. You can also go to the lucky few podcast.com and there you'll find everything you need. We got show notes. Um, you'll have links to all anything we mentioned today that there should be a link for you'll see photos. Um, you'll, there's ways to connect with Mercedes with Micah and myself, and you can leave us an email. You can email hello with a lucky few podcast.com. That can be for sponsorship opportunities that can be for leaving us good news or anything that you want. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you get podcasts, Joshua Avis. Thank you for editing this episode, Val Schleter, for producing it. Friends, if you like what you hear, share it with family and friends. And what else? Ashley, you're the best. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And dear listener, guess what? You're slaying it. We love you. We're cheering for you. Thanks for tuning in. Head over to to the Instagram page. Let us know your thoughts on this conversation. And let's keep on having it. Let's keep on holding the tension, doing the hard things and making steps towards a more inclusive world. Okay, that's all I got. See you next week. Bye.